0: You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 118. Want to know what it's like to feel like your best work is behind you? Today, I'm having on one of my dear friends, Nastia Lukin. Now, you might know her from her crowning achievement of the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing, but winning five medals was only the beginning for this golden girl. After returning home, she graced the pages of countless magazines and appeared on various TV shows. She started her own clothing line, Supergirl by Nastia, and had her own gymnastics competition, the Nastia Lukin Cup. She is an incredible woman who has done incredible things, but today's show is talking about some of the stuff I didn't know about her, like that her favorite moment wasn't winning the gold medal, and you'll never guess what that favorite moment was. It's pretty incredible, and it is safe to say that this woman, my friend, has capitalized on her bold entry into fame at a super young age. And I'm so excited to talk to her about how to transition your career when it might feel like your best work is behind you and how you can actually move forward. Before we dive into the show, I want to read the review of the week from Miranda Mulligan. Miranda says, I could not be more appreciative for Jenna in the Gold Digger Podcast. Jenna has been a constant inspiration for me since I started my photography business a couple of years ago. She brings it all to the table in this podcast. Everything from beginning to being an entrepreneur to a leader to a woman who is totally rocking it to marketing and social media, Jenna is the real deal. You are going to leave feeling inspired and encouraged and guided gently through business and life. Thank you again for all all you do and for sharing so much with us all. Thank you, Miranda. It is so amazing to read your reviews every single week. I value the time that you spend on writing them. If you want your review read on the show, hop over to iTunes, leave a review today. It takes just a few minutes and it really helps us get incredible guests like Nastia on the show. So are you guys ready to hear from my girl, my golden girl, Nastia Lucan? Trust me, this is going to be an episode you will
1: never forget. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts. Listen in on Honest Conversations,
0: Thank you so much for having me.
2: I'm so excited.
0: Nastia was the first guest I ever wanted on Gold Digger. Literally, I was telling her about it before it even existed. And so to have her on the show today, I'm just so excited. So, so many of us know all about your gymnastic success, but why don't you take a few minutes to just kind of tell us your story, who Nastia is, and what your journey has looked like and where it's led.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, for me, gymnastics was something that I was kind of born into. Both of my parents were gymnasts. My dad competed at the 88 Olympic Games, won two gold and two silver medals. My mom was a rhythmic gymnast and a world champion. So when I was born, I feel like I definitely had a little bit of gymnastics in my blood. But at the same time they really didn't want me to do it because they knew how hard it was. And as their only daughter, their only child, they just wanted me to be happy, but my happiness came from gymnastics. And when they saw how much passion and love I had for the sport and also from a very early age, you know, some God given talent, they didn't want to take that away from me. And so that's kind of how my gymnastics journey got started. And when we, I was born in Moscow and we moved to the United States, my parents started coaching at a gym before they opened up their own gym and they had no money. They just had this dream to one day open up a gymnastics school and coach their own athletes to becoming world and Olympic champions. But they never in a million years imagined it'd be their own daughter, (laughs) but they didn't have the money to afford a babysitter. And so that's really why I was always in the gym. And don't get me wrong. I loved it. Like Mm -hmm. it was like my own personal playground. I got to do whatever I wanted. And then that's, I think that's really just how I fell in love with the sport. And then obviously, you know, started the little pre-team and then a team and and kind of went up from there.
0: That's really how I got started into it. Isn't that crazy? I just love that your parents were almost protective of you because gymnastics is so hard. And I think to, you know, your parents, your dad was still competing when you were a baby. So seeing how much time and work ethic it took, like, I totally get it. So talk a little bit about like why the sport of gymnastics, what about it has captivated you? You're still super involved in USGA. What does that kind of look like for you? And what was it about gymnastics in the first place?
2: Well, I think there was, I don't really know what it was at first. I think as a young girl, it was just fun. Like just being able to be in the gym and jump on the trampoline and walk on a balance beam. And, you know, I think it was, I think it was really just, I loved it because it was fun. And I got to just like, I don't know, like, you know, when you're a child and you're on, you know, the monkey bars on a playground or something. And that's kind of like what it was for me at first. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, as I got older, I think it was a combination of things. I think, you know, it's a pretty difficult sport. And there are a lot of challenges that you have to overcome. And I think I kind of thrived on those challenges. And I thrived on, especially as I got older, people telling me that, you know, I couldn't do it. And it was kind of almost more motivating. But obviously, I did it for myself. But setting those goals, and then just like doing something that not a lot of people can do. And, you know, just thinking, okay, I can do a flip on a four inch wide balance beam. Like that's pretty cool. You know? And I think it's also the closest thing. Like when you look at the uneven bars and you do a release move where you let go of the bar, do a flip and catch it again, it's the closest thing you'll ever get to flying. Mm -hmm. And so there's something so thrilling and exciting about it, that it was just kind of from the very beginning. I just, I loved that thrill. I loved the challenge. I loved, you know, everything that came with the sport.
0: That's so incredible. So I made it up to level eight and that was where my career ended. I was way too tall and way not committed enough. So what was the moment for you where you knew like, I could really do this. Like when did the Olympics even become a part of your vision?
2: Well, it really wasn't until I made the junior national team. And and I did that at 12, which is a little (laughs) young and early. But I think that's kind of when... And by the way, at my first national championships, when I did make the junior national team, that year, 16 girls made it. And I think I got 15th place. So I barely made it. But I literally thought that I was on top of the world. Mm -hmm. I remember walking onto that podium when they announced the team. And I had my national team jacket Mm -hmm. and the little plaque that they give you. And I literally thought, like, I had just won the Olympics. (laughs) It was the coolest feeling ever. And seeing, like, my dad in the arena... And he was so proud and had his hands above like his head just cheering. And and I just remember that moment thinking like that moment, I think just like really gave me so much motivation and drive Mm -hmm. through my career because I remember feeling okay, if I can do this, then, you know, I can conquer anything. And then starting to think, okay, wow, so now I'm on the national team, I can now represent my country at an international competition. And I did that a few months later at my first meet at the Pan American Championships in the Dominican Republic. And, and then that feeling too, it was just like, so cool to be able to represent my country and do something that I loved. And so I think that was kind of the year where things kind of switched in my mind of, okay, maybe this Olympics thing could happen. Obviously, it's, you know, still six years or so away. But, you know, now that I'm on the national team, that's kind of the first step. That is crazy. You were 12 years
0: old. (laughs) (laughs) Most 12 years old are like watching like Nickelodeon. And here you are like already setting your sights on something so big. That's insane.
2: Yeah. I mean I I was still doing that. You know, I was still I had, a, I had a pretty balanced life minus the fact that I was training 7 hours a day, but you know my parents it was it was so important for my parents too to give me that childhood still because you know you you can never it's so easy to kind of just skim through life and and forget about those small moments and they just did such a great job at you know knowing that i worked so hard every single day for 7 hours a day and on the weekends we really would just we would be a normal family and we would do normal things and and i think that was really important to have that balance in my life
0: absolutely and i mean the proof is in the pudding like you're still so close to your parents i know whenever you can get home you do and it's never long enough to stay yeah. and i think that it's just so awesome because You know, your parents had experience in this and it could very easily look like they pushed that onto you. And I think you've always just had that spark within you, which is pretty incredible.
2: Yeah, I mean, they definitely, I I have to say, like, a lot of my career I owe to them because they really really made it all possible for me. But that being said, they never forced me into it Mm -hmm. ever. It was all something that I wanted to do. And yes, they were on the journey with me. And it was a team effort. But it was all I was kind of in the driver's seat. And, you know, my mom didn't coach me, but she really we called kind of called ourselves like triangle. It was team Luke. it was, you know, I was the athlete. My dad was the coach and my mom held it all together. She was the support side of the system. And, you know, when things went wrong or bad days, or she was always there to kind of help get us through it. And, and there were days, I mean, I get asked that all the time by young mm-hmm. girls specifically, like, did you ever want to quit? And yes, absolutely. There were always times that I wanted to quit. And, and my mom had this golden rule that will just kind of stick with me for the rest of my life. And she always said, when I came home, after a bad day of training, or I was frustrated and told her that I wanted to quit, she would say, you know what, that's fine, you can quit, but not today. Mm -hmm. And she would make me go back to the gym the next day, and the next day, and the next day until I had a good day. And I mean, sometimes that took that Maybe it was the next day, and sometimes it took three days or five days or two weeks. And then after a good day, I would come home, and she would say, okay, now that you've had a good day, you can quit. We'll enroll you back into public school, find another activity you like to do. And I would always say, what are you talking about? I never <laughs> said I
0: wanted to quit. <laughs> so Funny anyways, how I forget, right? <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. So it's like, that's what I, and it's not just in gymnastics. It's, it's really in life. We're mm-hmm. all going to have bad days. It's inevitable to just get through life on only good days. And so yes, it's okay to, you know, all of a sudden have a different passion and want to try something new, but don't ever quit on something or give up on something or move on on something on a bad day.
0: Absolutely. Amen. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash digger, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. When I was starting my journey with online courses nearly a decade ago, I needed a platform that could keep up with my dreams and support my vision and Kajabi came to the rescue. I've been a paying customer of Kajabi for years upon years. They are the only platform I use, trust, and recommend for online course creators. Kajabi is the ultimate one-stop shop that empowers you to build a thriving online business and generate predictable recurring revenue. Whether you're creating online courses, exclusive membership sites, or hosting subscription podcasts, Kajabi has got you covered. Kajabi will handle your transactions without taking a single penny of your money, That's right, you get to keep 100% of what you earn. Plus you get powerful analytics Easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates. The cool thing is, too, you don't need a huge audience to make a sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. It's all about leveraging the right tools and strategies to grow your business, and Kajabi makes that possible. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30 day trial if you go to slash Jenna. That's K. A-A-J-A-B-I.com slash Jenna. Head to Kajavi.com slash Jenna and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Mm -hmm. So what was the experience like representing the country? What was it like to feel like the eyes of millions of people? I mean, you were, quote, one of the older gals on the team, which is hilarious. You were, what, 18? Yeah, I was 18. Um, 18, (laughs) So old. I can't believe it. But what was that experience like for you? And were, were you able to be present when you had so much going on and so much almost pressure on yourself?
2: Yeah, I definitely felt that pressure quite a lot. But at the same time, I know that I put so much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. And so that was almost like you know, enough for me that like the outside pressure didn't even get to me because I put so much pressure on myself just to live up to my own expectations and my own dreams and my own goals. And I wanted to make people proud. I wanted to make my parents proud and, you know, Texas proud and then the United States proud and in the sport of gymnastics. and, And so there were definitely a lot on my shoulders, but I think... Just because I loved gymnastics so much, I knew at the end of the day, you know, outside of all the pressure, I was doing it because I truly just loved doing it.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit. And you and I have had a conversation about this over sushi. But what was it like being like the best in the world at something at a really young age? It was
2: awesome. But at the same time, it was scary because I knew at one point it was going to be over. And I Mm -hmm. think that was probably the weirdest feeling standing there on the podium at the Olympics with a gold medal around my neck and being so excited that I had just won this Olympic gold medal and all of a sudden feeling fear because Mm -hmm. I had just achieved my lifelong dream at 18 years old. And then I was thinking, now what, you know, I have the rest of my life to live. And now I've, I've already achieved what I've wanted to for my whole life, my whole life of 18 years. (laughs) But it was just, it was kind of a scary feeling, but at the same time, it was pretty, I don't even know the right words to describe it because it was scary. It was exciting. It was thrilling. It was all of these things. And then it was kind of like, all right, now what, you know, now what do I do with mm-hmm. my life? And so it was definitely a hard transition a few years later when I finally did, you know, quote unquote retire, but knowing that I could achieve and accomplish anything against all odds, you know, when people told me that I wasn't good enough, or I was too injured, or I was too old at 18 years old, and, and knowing that I could kind of put all of that beside me, and now go into whatever it is I'm doing in life and know that, okay, if I was able to do that, then you know, I can do this, or I could do this or whatever it is. So it was pretty inspiring, I think, to know looking back, you know, and and looking at that journey and, and knowing that, you know,
0: I really can do whatever it is, if I set my mind to, it and work hard every day. It's incredible. I think that there would be so much, kind of like what you said, fear in that, where it's like, now what? Like, you've dedicated your entire life to this one thing and you did it, which is so incredible. But then, you know, there isn't really a long term plan in gymnastics in the sense of being an athlete. And so what was it like, you know, the month after the Olympics and then the year after? What did you kind of do to navigate through all of those seasons?
2: Yeah, well, right after the Olympics, like I don't think anybody can prepare you for that
0: moment. It's <laughs> no. Like it's
2: like insanity to the extreme. Like I don't I don't even know the right adjectives, but like it was obviously surreal because it was just something, again, going back to gymnastics, why I started, why I did it, was something that I truly just loved doing. And so the thought of, you know, all of a sudden my life had dramatically changed and I was getting all these amazing opportunities and meeting these incredible people and, and just my life had had really switch very quickly. But then, you know, at the same time, I just kind of realized like, okay, well, I should just take advantage of these opportunities, because they might never come around again. And and I did work hard for these opportunities. But I was left kind of feeling a little empty, because... Every day was different for me. I didn't really have a goal because I had just achieved it. And don't get me wrong, you know, I'll forever be proud of that. But it was yeah. it was this empty feeling of of now what? You know, I, I need to have a goal in my life. I need to have something that I'm constantly striving to achieve and, and become a better person every day. And, and I wasn't really feeling that for a while. And that's kind of when I decided I wanted to train again. And try to make the 2012 Olympic team, and I knew that it was going to be a lot harder than the first time because I had taken a few years off, and Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't going to be easy. And the and the expectations and the pressure would be even higher on me because now I was going in as the reigning Olympic all-around champion. All eyes were kind of on me, but at the same time, I did it because I truly loved it. There was no other reason except for me loving the sport and thinking that you know I still I feel like I still have a little bit more to give. And everything mm-hmm. else that kind of came with it was obviously great, but that wasn't what was kind of motivating me to get out of bed every day on those difficult days where, you know, I easily could have said, well, I already did it. Why am I, you know, going to continue doing this? Because I've already achieved what I wanted to.
0: Hmm. Did you have any feelings like my best work is behind me? Like, how do I even yeah. go forward from here? I mean, absolutely. I definitely
2: had those feelings. And especially just trying to get back into shape and get back into the gym and my routines and, mm-hmm. and kind of thinking, okay, well, I trained almost 20 years to be that good. And now I'm kind of starting from scratch. And so, you know, am I going to be able to do this? And I definitely always had moments of doubt, of fear, of so many things that, you know, thinking maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But at the end of the day, the thing that scared me most was regret. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to have any regret knowing that I would be in London one way or the other, whether I was competing or whether I was working or whatever I was doing. And I just didn't want to be sitting in the stands thinking, I wish I would have given it one last shot. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, it didn't end up the way that I had hoped for, and I would have loved to make a second Olympic team, but I truly believe that that moment that I had at the Olympic trials, I fell on my face on my Mm -hmm. very best event, the uneven bars and in front of 20,000 people. And I just remember being so mortified, so embarrassed. I just wanted to crawl under a rock. And I got back up because I remember my parents telling me, no matter what, you always have to finish what you've started. And so I got back up and I finished that routine knowing that, you know, my chance of making that second Olympic team were definitely over, but I just wanted to finish it for me. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to end my kind of end my career on a, on a high note. And so I landed on my feet on my dismount for the very first time in my life and career. I had a standing ovation for the worst routine of my entire life and career. So (laughs) I was definitely confused in the moment because I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh, I just want to run out of this arena. And then when I saw Mm -hmm. those 20,000 people stand to their feet, it really just made me realize so much about life and myself. Because for so many years, I always thought that people were only going to love and support me when I was the best when I Mm -hmm. won a gold medal, when I came out on top. And the moment that I had at those Olympic trials in San Jose made me realize that people still are going to love you and support you and cheer you on even if you don't win, even if you fall on your face. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really eye-opening moment and experience in my life that kind of just really taught me a lot about life and kind of allowed me to move forward from that moment.
0: That like gave me goosebumps. I just think too, everyone in the stands is like, that would be me like that is so relatable. And I don't know if I would have gotten up. And I think that that is a bigger lesson than perfect ever. And I think nowadays people are like hungry for feeling like they're not alone in that. And so, man, that's crazy. Yeah, I
2: mean, I just felt like, as you said, like, that moment that I had falling on my face is so much more relatable than winning a gold medal. Like not many people are going to have that chance to to compete at the Olympics and win a gold medal, but pretty much every single person in their life is going to fall on their face, either literally or figuratively, mm-hmm. and they're going to mm-hmm. have to get back up and they're going to have to keep going. And so I feel like for me, that moment just... It just, I truly feel like that became the defining moment of my career. Not when I won the gold medal, Mm -hmm. because when I won the gold medal, it kind of taught me that yes, hard work and not giving up. And, you know, if you set those goals, like nothing is impossible and you are able to achieve those dreams and those goals. But at the same time, the moment that I had in San Jose really just, it just became the defining moment for me.
0: Wow. That's amazing. I'm like teary eyed over here. Okay, moving on. (laughs) What was it like then for you to decide like, what am I going to do with my life in a great way? How was that chapter of moving forward, choosing NYU, moving to New York, like all of that? What did that look like? Because it couldn't have been easy.
2: Yeah, I think that was probably the hardest moment of my life, kind of that transitional phase of not having something in my life that was so important to me. And that really defined me as a person. And it just forced me to grow up, to move on, to figure out what my next passions were, to meet people that were not gymnasts, that were not in the gymnastics world, and just meet really amazing new people. And so moving to New York was actually, I really, truly feel like the perfect thing to do in my life because it forced me to do all of those things. And going to school was something that I was completely set on. I just didn't know when that would be. And so I thought it was the perfect time in my life to kind of just move on to this new new chapter and close another chapter. And it was the most amazing experience. It was don't get me wrong, it was so difficult <laughs> moving mm-hmm. to New York City. I'm the only child and super close to my family. And you know, moving that far away from home was definitely difficult at times. But at the same time, it really did help me kind of grow up and mature. And yeah, just appreciate those little things, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big move. Like, yeah, it, it, that's a giant leap.
2: <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. But I remember coming home like a few months after I moved and, you know, just telling my dad that I didn't, I didn't, first of all, I moved in in January and being from Texas, (laughs) I was not used to snowstorms and blizzards. And so that was a challenge in itself. But I just remember being lonely and afraid and, you know, unsure if this was the right thing to do. And and I just remember telling my dad that, you know, I'm not sure that I want to be here. And he said, okay, Well, you've already signed your apartment for a year. So stick it through. And then when you come home for Christmas, if you want to stay home and if you want to transfer somewhere here, that's totally fine. But give it a shot. Don't just give up because it's hard. And I remember coming home you know, a few months after that, or for summer or for Christmas, and, and then just being like, so excited to go back to New York. And, Mm -hmm. and so it was just like kind of this period that I just had to like stick it through and get through those hard times. Because then I just I fell in love with the city. And, you know, NYU wasn't exactly easy. But again, it was that challenge that I truly loved. And yeah, it was I was just kind of motivated by that.
0: Oh, so let's talk a little bit about how your career has evolved since graduating. So you went from being a gymnast to going to NYU. Now you have your blog and the app and all the things. You're a correspondent for the Olympics. You're doing a lot of stuff. Whenever I text you, I'm like, what city are you in? What time zone are you in? Where are you today? <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about, yes, <laughs>
2: Yeah, but it's been – I'm so thankful and just, like, everything that I've gotten to do because, you know, winning the gold medal for me was almost 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, and I just – I never imagined – I didn't know what I'd be doing, I guess, 10 years after that, but I never would have imagined that I've, you know, had the chance to be able to do what I love to do, and and part of that is is inspiring that next generation of, you know – Young gymnasts, or just young girls, or people all over the world. And so I've loved being able to do that through my platform. And, you know, social media is obviously, you know, I feel like there's pros and cons Mm -hmm. to it, but. One of the pros being you know you do have this reach and you have this platform to do whatever you want with it and so i have always tried to kind of remember that and put myself in in those young girls' shoes and and I was one of them one time, and I was looking up to my idols and my inspirations and and so my fiance and I actually started a business and launched an app it's called grander sports and it's really. About connecting, you know, myself as a mentor and some of my other Olympic teammates. And, you know, it's been really fun because we're able to connect to these young girls and hopefully inspire them one day on their own journey. And so basically it connects aspiring you know, women athletes to their heroes and inspiring content and from connecting and communicating with them and and hopefully learning some valuable lessons also for their sports. And, you know, we're starting in gymnastics as that's kind of an obvious, but we're going to move in different verticals. And so it's just been really fun too, because I think, you know, over the 20 years that I did gymnastics, I definitely learned a, a thing or two. And so to now be able to have that knowledge, that's just kind of like stuck in my mind. Mind and to really be able to now carry that on to the next generation. And, and hopefully, you know, they're able to do something with that. So guess it's, you know, it's been a really fun business to kind of create because it's this every day in my life again, where I'm super passionate about it. But at the core, it's truly about these, these young women and inspiring them and giving them a platform where you know, in today's age where so much is going on, that they feel safe, mm-hmm. that they feel like they can come here and have a voice and, and know that, you know, it's the safe community and they feel okay. And they feel that they can share whatever is on their mind.
0: I think that's incredible. And one of the things that's so unique about gymnastics is it's a very isolating sport in a sense. Not many people get to do it in their schools, so it's a club. And I know for me growing up, you know, my only friends were my gym friends because I was that girl (laughs) leaving school rushing out to get to practice and we didn't do the normal things, you know, we didn't, we trained. And so I think what an amazing way to connect people. And I know that if I was a young girl and my idol was teaching or sharing. I would be all ears. So I think that that is incredible. And what a use of the platform that you have. It's pretty crazy. Oh,
2: yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, again, gymnastics for me gave me so many amazing things and also lessons, I guess. I, I learned so much throughout my career. And so I think the importance of having a mentor in your life is extremely important and not just in gymnastics and not just, you know, on the app, but, but just in life. And now, you know, I constantly try to surround myself with people that I can learn from that can inspire me. And I think that's really important in life to surround yourself with the, those kind of people.
0: So here's a weird question. Has it been hard- growing up in front of America's eyes because I feel like people probably still look at you as that 18 year old. And now, you know, you love different things. You love fashion, you love home decor, you're engaged. How has it been like transitioning your audience that is probably a lot of fans and kind of showing a different side of yourself?
2: Yeah, that's super interesting because I still feel like I'm learning Mm -hmm. kind of what they like and what they love because, you know, as any person, you definitely evolve and you grow up and you change and you start, you know, like you said, I do love fashion and home decor and, you know, now my relationship with my fiance, I love being able to kind of share our journey as well. And so kind of figuring out, you know, at the core, I do believe that a lot of my fan base, you know, loved you know, my gymnastics career. And, you know, they love when I post (laughs) gymnastics stuff and everything. But, you know, I also think that they have also kind of grown up with Mm me. And so they also maybe transitioned out of gymnastics as well, or, you know, also love fashion and, and those types of things. So it's been fun for me to kind of, you know, try different things. And that's why I love, you know, again, the platform with social media and my blog and, and just being able to really explore and, and kind of see not only what my passions are, but kind of what
0: theirs are as well. That's awesome. So how do you set your sights forward and create new goals from a successful chapter? How are you kind of transitioning through each chapter of your life?
2: Well, I think setting goals, as you right, kind of said is extremely important and, you know, having those short term goals, but then also the long term goals. And so just like in gymnastics, it's it's just as important to do in life. And Matt, my fiance and I, we actually kind of have made it a tradition that every New Year's Eve, we, you know, take out a piece of paper, a poster board, and we sit down and we kind of write out our goals and the things that we want to achieve, you know, moving this year forward or, you know, no kind of like a little one step further than just you know the new year's resolution that so many people tend to kind of (laughs) give up on a few weeks in yeah and so that's kind of been really fun for me too because it's looking at you know the big picture because I feel like sometimes we just get caught up in in the small picture in the day-to-day and we're all so busy and we sometimes forget about you know looking at the big picture and I'm definitely such a planner in my life that I've had to also step back a little bit and realize that some things I can't necessarily Necessarily plan for. And I just have to go, you know, with kind of with the day to day and yes, have that big goal in mind, but not get too ahead of myself and think, okay, but I was supposed to do this by, you know, this year mm-hmm. or something like that. So,
0: so since this is called gold digger, can you share one of your goals for the new year with us?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of my biggest goals right now is to continue growing our community on our app right now. And, you know, it's again, it's just been so much fun to be able to find something that I'm so passionate about every single day and really being involved in on the business side of things as well. And, and then continue taking it across different verticals. So we definitely want to move into different sports. And we're staying focused on women's sports Mm -hmm. just because it's so underserved compared to men's sports when you look at the nhl the nfl the nba all those things but on the women's side there really isn't a place where young girls can go and learn more about you know how to achieve their goals or how to learn from their mentors and So we're hoping to move into, you know, sports like swimming, figure skating, soccer, dance, you know, possibly cheerleading and in all these sports where, you know, it's so important for these young girls to have role models and to have a place where they can learn. So that's kind of my main focus, I feel like for this year. And then for, you know, myself personally to continue building my brand and figuring out what exactly it is that I love to do. I mean, I finally just graduated from NYU last year, so I really only had a year of my life where I haven't had a commitment to, you know, training 7 hours a day or being a full-time student. So, just like everyone else, you know, I'm still figuring everything out too. And it's been so much fun to kind of be on my journey, you know, with people that truly love me and support me and and, and at the same time that I can learn from and be inspired by. So, on my personal brand, I guess, you know, I'd love to get into more hosting and doing on-camera stuff and just haven't really had the chance or the opportunity to do it because, you know, because of gymnastics and because of school and doing a lot of different things. But, you know, this year, I really, truly want to kind of focus and dive deep on the things that I'm really passionate about.
1: What was
0: it like being a commentator on a sport that you know so well? Was it like surreal to be getting paid to like speak about things that you love?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a challenge because I do... I know these, these young women Mm -hmm. and the men so well, and they've become my friends. So I have to remove myself from being their friend in the moment and kind of being there as, you know, an analyst and doing my job. But at the same time, knowing that, you know, I was in their shoes once. And I know sometimes when, you know, people aren't as positive, it can affect Mm -hmm. you. And so I remind myself that. And so I truly feel like there's a way to analyze and to critique and to kind of talk about what's going on in a positive light. And that doesn't mean you have to be like, oh, that's okay, sweetie. Like you can try better next time. <laughs> but, you know, I truly feel like there is a way and I can I can really relate to these athletes because it's whether they're going through an injury or a hard time or whatever mm-hmm. it is, I feel like throughout my career, I've kind of been through it all, and so I, I always try to put myself, you know, back in their shoes and kind of see, okay, how are they feeling? What's going through their minds right now?
0: Well, I thought what was so awesome about hearing your voice is, you know, you're not that far out of the game, so you can relate. Like you have so much empathy in the sense of giving people almost a behind the scenes look of like what is going through their minds and what you know what they're losing sleep over at night or what that pressure feels like. And I think what was so awesome is I think it connected the audience to the sport in a new way because, you know, you can talk about skills and list releases and say all the technical stuff all day and all night. But for people that have never been in this sport and now suddenly they're captivated again because it's an Olympic year, I think that you just gave the sport a humanness that maybe it was lacking in the past.
2: I hope so. You know, that that's kind of been my goal is I feel like gymnastics is one of those sports where it's so difficult yet the athletes make everything mm-hmm. look so easy and obviously <laughs> that's the goal, you know, the gymnasts want to make everything look easy, but truly it's not and both from a mental and a physical standpoint. And so I hope to kind of give those viewers especially during an Olympic year where you know, gymnastics attracts so many fans every four years. Mm -hmm. And I kind of hope to give them that inside look of what it's really like. Because when we're out there on the floor, we don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. You know, we're out there just competing. And then you, you know, you might have a 10 to 30 second, maybe a minute interview after your performance where you honestly can't even wrap your mind (laughs) around what just happened. So it's probably not, you know, the best voice. So I, I hope to give these athletes a voice of what it's really like and what is going through their minds. And and yes, as you said, like the technical aspect, you know, is important in gymnastics, mm-hmm. but you know, what I kind of find more fascinating is the stories and kind of, The behind the scenes story of what it took for them to get there. And and not everybody knows that. And some of the stuff's not even, you know, on Google or Mm -hmm. Wikipedia. So so really getting to know these athletes and kind of sharing their stories. I think that's really incredible. And that kind of hopefully draws the fans in even more.
0: Absolutely. So before we wrap up, one thing that I value about you and what I think is so incredible is the friendships that you made in this sport and the friendships that you keep. And can you talk a little bit about what it's like, because, you know, these people are your competitors, your competition for so long, and then suddenly you're on a team with them and you're representing a country. So what was it like to kind of navigate those relationships with other females? Because I think a lot of women struggle with that. And how have you maintained those relationships through the years?
2: Well, I think you like what you just said is so true. And it's very rare to see women supporting Mm -hmm. other women. And I just think that is so powerful. And so, yes, when you're younger, I do feel like that's harder to do because you don't really understand what that is or what, you know, that's kind of about. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that the U S national team has always been so great with just the bond that these young girls and women have between each other. And, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we're competitors, but we also want the best for each other. And we all are friends, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what anybody says, I know like people have always tried Mm -hmm. to like pin us up against each other and, you know, say that they're not friends and that they're just competitors and, and all this stuff. And you know, when you're young, that's really difficult to go through because you start believing those things. Whereas in reality, like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. But then when you start hearing so many people say that you're kind of like you get that into your mind. And you're like, Oh, yeah, maybe that's right. But it's not. <laughs> and you know, I think what's really cool about the sport of gymnastics and about the national team is you know, going to our, our training camps and just being able to bond with each other. And it's the time that we spend outside the gym together that we really get to know each other as, as teenagers or as young women. And, and now, you know, going back, you know, just my Olympic team, for example, we're all Such great friends, and we have created this bond over something that was so incredible, you know, competing at the Olympic Games that we'll have that bond for the rest of our lives. And I think that's so special. No matter what's going on in each other's lives, we all live in different states around the country. But when we're together, or we're just texting, or, you know, whatever it is, we're family now. And gymnastics has been able to bond us. So I think that's pretty special.
0: It's amazing. And I think too, you know, the, when we were hanging out in New York, the older we get, the less we need a ton of friends. And the more we just crave those really close friends, I think, we're really- relationships take so much work and, you know, we're all so busy these days. So how have you kind of stayed in touch with your friends and really garnered those relationships throughout the years?
2: You know, that's so true. I think when I was younger, and I'm sure this is like the same for so many people, but you think that you have to have like dozens and dozens of friends (laughs) to kind of realize like, nope, that's not the case. But I think the most important thing and kind of going back to it is surrounding yourselves, you know, with the right people and the people mm-hmm. that you love, that they love you and that truly inspire you and, and try to make you a better person. And I think that's what it's all about is, you know, you're going to go through friends in your life where you know, they were supposed to be there at that point in your life, but maybe not forever. Mm -hmm. And I really believe everybody in your life is there for a reason. And whether it's to teach you something, or to, you know, to have fun with, or whatever, whatever that reason is, I believe, like, there's always a reason for everything. Mm -hmm. And so to just, you know, not always be, if that person's not in your life anymore, that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, they were in your life for a reason at some point, but I think, you know, it's so important to have a close group of friends that, that you can trust. And, and that's really hard to find. It's Mm -hmm. hard to find people in your life that you love and that you can trust. And so if you can at least have a handful of those, or at least just one or two, then I would consider, you know, yourself pretty lucky. Amen.
0: So, if you could give one piece of advice to a listener who is going through a transition or moving forward, what would that be? I think the most important thing
2: about transitions is, first of all, acknowledging and realizing that it's a very difficult thing to do no matter what transition you're going through. So, you know, cut yourself a little slack first and know that it could be a bumpy road. But the most important thing is also staying true to yourself. And I think today with social media and just the way that the world is, it's, it's really easy to be influenced by different people or different things or different paths in life. And so to remember kind of what the core, your values are and what you love to do and the people that have been there for you since day one, not the people that have kind of come into your life when you've you know been at the top or on a high or you know whatever that might be, so staying true to yourself and, and then just sitting down and, and really asking yourself, what is it that I love? What are my passions? Mm-hmm. What is it that I want to do? What are my goals? And you know what? It's okay if you don't know. And being okay with that and and knowing that, you know, I don't maybe know what my next goal is, but I know that I'm going to make it a priority to figure out what that goal is. And so, you know, I think a lot of us get frustrated or upset when we're lost or confused or we don't know what that goal is. And I think most importantly, it's okay that, you know, that might happen, but always keep it a priority to have that in the back of your mind, to constantly be thinking and evolving in one wondering, you know, what is it that my next goal is if you don't have that yet?
0: Oh, that was so good. I just want to sound bite that and play that over and over and over again. So where can everybody find you and connect with you? Share all of the places that we can engage with you online. Yeah,
2: so I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And my handles are at Nastia Lucan, both the same. And then my Facebook page is facebook.com slash 08. And then my blog as well is dot com. So I'd love to kind of hear from people too, of what they want to see and what they want to hear more of. Because as I said, I'm, you know, I'm still learning what everybody wants to hear more about me or, you know, the topics or the categories. So I'd I'd love
0: to hear from people. Well, I can tell you what I love. I just love seeing you every day. And I think that it's been so fun to kind of navigate life with you. Like you said, you have been with so many eyes on you for so long. And I feel like you are really just settling into who Nastia is today. And I think it's such a beautiful journey to watch. And I think it's so inspiring for so many of us who, like you said, we don't always know what's next. And I think that there is something really beautiful in that?
2: Thank you. Yeah, you know, I finally feel like at 28 years old, I'm finally... Very happy and confident in who I am. And it took me 28 years to get to that. So, for all those women out there, whether you're younger than me, my age, even older than me, it's okay if you're not there yet, Mm -hmm. but you will get there. And again, just stay true to yourself, stay true to who you are, keep surrounding yourself with people that just make you a better person, that inspire you. And, you know, one day you will get to that place where you finally feel like you're there.
0: Amen. And with that, Gold Diggers, I will leave you. But if you can hop on, let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Thank Nasia for coming on to this show. What a blessing. Thank you so much for coming on. It is a dream come true for me to have you on this podcast.
2: Well, oh, Thank you so much for having me.
0: So there you have it, guys. Wasn't Nasia amazing? I swear I had goosebumps and tears in my eyes just hearing her share her story. And what I think was so incredible and what my biggest takeaway from the show was and learning from her was that a lot of times the best moments in our lives, the most defining ones, those aren't the ones with the accolades and the medals. It's the ones where we actually get up and keep moving after we've fallen on our face. And what I think is so cool is that not many people remember that moment for Nastia. We remember the podium moments. But the truth is is that she is so close to that moment, that, quote, perceived failure, that she could close her eyes and remember it. And the truth about life is that so many times we are so close to our failures. We think the world is watching and judging us. But at the end of the day, what is so incredible is that everyone else's heads are down looking at their own failures through the microscope of life. And what I loved when Nastia shared that story is that she brought you back to that moment of having to decide, am I going to run out of this stadium or am I going to get up and finish what I started? And what a beautiful example of what it looks like to get up after those hard moments and so today, I just hope that when you learned from Nasia, you heard those big messages that it's not over and that you can continue moving forward. And it's okay to not know what's next and to really cling to those people in your life who are there through the thick and the thin. And so I'm so thankful to have Nasia on the show. What a beautiful friend she is to me and a constant inspiration. If this show spoke to you, would you just take a quick second, pop on over to our Instagram at Gold Digger Podcast, and. Tag Nastia to say thank you for coming on and tell us what your biggest takeaway was. I can tell you that it means so much to us to hear from you and to learn what you are learning as we tune in each week on the show. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thank you again for hanging out with me for another special episode of the Gold Digger Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast.